Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Turn quick stops for this and that into quick stops for cash back. With new Chase Freedom Flex, you'll earn 3% cash back at drugstores. Learn more at chasefreedom.com. Restrictions and limitations apply. Offer subject to change. Cards are issued by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. Member FDIC. On today's show, we're talking about Kevin Feige taking over the world, or maybe just Marvel. Then there's a brand new trailer for the upcoming movie, Bombshell, and also the Doctor Sleep runtime has been confirmed, and it's long. All on today's movie talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Movie Talk. We've got a great show for you today with Roka and Jabby on the desk. But first, we've got to get to that call sheet. First story on today's call sheet is Adam's Family related. According to Deadline, a sequel to The Adam's Family, which just hit theaters last weekend and did quite well. It's in the works and they've already dated it for October 22nd. 2021 after that solid 30 million dollar opening adam's family is reportedly expected to hold well in weekend two with an estimated 50 percent drop that would mean the movie could make another 15 million dollars all right now on to kevin feige because it was just announced that he's being named chief creative officer of marvel as marvel studios president feige oversees the creation production and release of all marvel cinematic universe movies and upcoming disney plus shows but now Feige is responsible for the overall creation of Marvel's storytelling across all mediums, which, of course, includes publishing, film, TV, and animation. Next up is something that was confirmed by our very own Jeff Snyder. Neil Patrick Harris is set to join the cast of The Matrix 4. And then on top of that, there's also a brand new deadline report stating that Jada Pinkett Smith is returning to the franchise. They're going to join Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, who are reprising their roles as Neo and Trinity, of course. And then also, we recently spoke about this one, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II is reportedly joining the franchise as its lead in this new movie. All right. Moving on over to Dr. Sleep now. AMC is reporting that the Dr. Sleep runtime is 152 minutes, or if you'd prefer, that is two hours and 32 minutes. Fun fact on this one, Dr. Sleep is longer than the movie that it's a sequel to, The Shining. That one clocks in at 146 minutes or two hours and 26 minutes. Now, last up on our call sheet, it's a trailer. We're going to be talking about the new trailer for Jay Roach's Bombshell. This one hits theaters on December 20th and of course it stars Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman Margot Robbie and also John Lithgow Stay tuned because we are going to be diving into this one later in today's show. But before we get to our conversations, we've got a little snippet from our Zombieland Double Tap review for you. Check it out. It kind of like takes place in real time. However many years we are removed from that first film, the characters, some of them are kind of grown up now and they're still fighting zombies. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Little Rocco is missing and they go out to find her. 
That's the gist. All right. What did you think of Zombieland 2, Haley? I liked it. It's a lot of fun. I, I feel like what I was going to say about the plot, which is if you've seen Zombieland, you know the plot of Zombieland Double Tap, essentially. I, I think that's part of the reason why I almost like tripped up on the plot. That was pretty much the easiest plot to give for yeah. that exact reason. <laughs> so I feel similarly that if you enjoy the comedy and energy of Zombieland, you will enjoy the comedy and energy of this film. I think that's the exact same thing that I walked away from the movie with in my mind is that, you know, if if you dug the first one, I can't see a reason why you wouldn't enjoy this. Uh, one of the things that I always took to most in that first movie isn't just like the crazy colors, the fun of the rules, the, the creative ways that they use the zombie genre, but it was the family. It was the four mm-hmm. of them. I loved spending time with the four of them. I loved being part of that group. And when that movie ended, I wanted to be with that group more and so the fact that we're getting this like 10 years later which is crazy to me i was beyond thrilled to reunite with them and the team behind the movie didn't disappoint in that respect because i still think the family element is very very strong in this movie oh i agree and they have still killer chemistry Mm -hmm. it's clear that they probably enjoy each other as people because that translates to them having a lot of fun on screen but also it's just uh, I you know I keep using the the f word fun but it really like it's so applicable here. yeah and especially the they um once again conjure that great sense of wish fulfillment and fantasy within the apocalypse it's a very light apocalypse I I mean apocalypse <laughs> it's a uh, it's a very lighthearted approach to the apocalypse right it's like what are all the fun things you could you could do in that yeah. scenario Guys, you're in for it today. That's your one and only warning because now it's time to introduce the panelists. It's Roka and Javi. Hey, hey. Hello. How goes it? You all right? I'm good. I'm happy. It's Wednesday. I can't tell what this mood is right now and it makes me nervous. I got a lot to do today and I'm scared out of my mind about all the interviews I have to do today, but I'm happy to be here because this is going to be fun to talk about all these subjects. Are you allowed to tease any of your interviews? Yeah, well, I got Matthew Modine later on in the day. That's cool. Yeah, and I've got Omar Epps early in the day and uh, Asaf Kareri, who is the new director for the Maradona documentary that's out there on HBO. So there's a lot today and I'm excited. Everyone wants to talk to John Roca. No, I hope. Maybe someday. (laughs) Javi, how goes it? Everything's awesome. I'm so, I'm so great right now. Are you now. still looking? At, all right. I, I'm going to spoil think, our lives. I think that Collider's <laughs> got the best coffee ever. So I gave, <laughs> all right. I'm full disclosure here. I gave Javi a heads up about our uh, first live chat question for later in the episode. Wouldn't it be really funny after all this stretch if I just didn't include it? That would be terrible. Be, I would never I would, do that to you. I would never do that to that you. We're going to talk about our, uh, some of our favorite movie bosses in the live chat section. Uh, speaking of movie bosses, haha, I didn't plan this at all. Boom. Let's talk about Kevin Feige, who's the boss of everything at Marvel, or, you know, somewhat. He is... Uh, He's basically in charge now of storytelling across every single medium, which is a very, very big deal here. And it could have great implications for a lot of things that he's working on, things that other people are involved in. So let's first start with this question. What do you think this promotion means for the MCU going forward? Are we going to see basically everything connect now from the movies to the shows to animated projects comics you name it he's totally and completely in charge of our emotional state going forward (laughs) i just want to see daredevil come back is that a possibility ever is that going to come back there's been a lot of rumors like if if he does that i'll be happy i don't care what he does like with anything else i just want to see daredevil come back the character or charlie cox 
Uh, both. Okay. Yeah, I, sure. I like him as Daredevil. Like, I didn't think I would when I first saw the trailer years ago, but I've fallen in love with him as Daredevil. I want to see that come back somehow, some way. I don't care if it's integrated. I just want to see it back. Well, <laughs> so. I, I think what you're looking at here is um, they saw how this model worked with Kathleen Kennedy and you in the Star Wars. And you can argue about the film's quality all day long. Who cares? What it is is they saw a cohesive thing in motion. They came, Kathleen Kennedy came in, her team came in, they looked at this thing and said, okay, this is one lane. Everything is going to connect, everything is going to t- touch up, it's all going to be canon. Everything else outside of it is not going to be canon, but it can still exist, we'll just call it Legends. With Marvel here, now they wanted all the same thing. All, everything in one lane, all connected, TV show, comic books, movies, uh, Disney Plus stuff, all of it has to connect. Novels, all of it has to connect in some way, shape, or form. Now, does this mean there'll be other titles in the comics that can play around? Sure, there has to exist. It's comic books. But I think they like the idea of having one person in charge of everything. They trust Kevin Feige, and he's certainly proven over 10 years with his track record with movies. And even before then, when he was doing stuff with Wolverine way back when, he knows what is right with uh, Marvel and can get it correctly. So, And I think this is also their way of like pinning him down. A lot of rumors about him, like people coming to poach him or something from their franchises. Uh, this kind of sets him up to stay at Marvel for a long time and possibly move up even further the chain down the road. I, I got a question for both of you yeah, guys. Yeah. Like with this full integration thing, does it ruin the suspension of disbelief for either of you when so- when solo projects come out? Like, like I remember when Iron Man three came out, mm-hmm. there was a big worldwide disaster, but only Iron Man's working on it. When they've got the Avengers, it's like it's just kind of weird when it's this full integration, but you have to explain why these people aren't showing up to help out with specific issues. So when- you mean kind of like the, let's say, uh, the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. and Marvel Netflix show questions where it's like when these big epic things are happening in the MCU, if technically they're connected, why aren't these people exactly. getting involved? I, well, first, actually, let me ask you, Roka, yeah. Roka a question. Um, so do you think that that is the intention to all of a sudden take a Star Wars approach and keep yep. everything canon? I, yeah. I, I probably shouldn't pose this question when I don't really know the answer to it. Do we get any Star Wars comics anymore that aren't canon? Have they? Uh, no, but we do um, have there. But there are Star Wars That's comics like from the That's like the one past. sector of Star, Star Wars that I feel a little out of touch with. Right. There, there are Star Wars comics. They all connect up, but they don't necessarily connect up to the overall storyline they're trying to tell. Like Lando Calrissian had his own comic for a few series or a few episode issues rather, but it didn't connect up necessarily into the overall stuff that they were doing. Well, I wonder if this is a different case just because, I mean, the origin of these characters Mm. lies in comic books rather than, you know, George Lucas creating a first movie. So I I wonder if he will kind of leave the door open for offshoots that have nothing to do with what we're seeing on screen. But yeah. I, I don't know, like, you have the business bug in mm. my head, and when I think about that, and when I think about a promotion for someone like Kevin Feige, mm. who has been the architect of all this, it does make sense to me, but... You know, if anything, I kind of hope Marvel takes a cue from Warner Brothers in a sense mm-hmm. and at least leaves some sector of Marvel open to storytelling that isn't directly connected to yeah. everything that we've seen before just to continue to have creative possibilities out there. Because as much as I trust Kevin Feige and he has most certainly earned this position mm-hmm. and if the time comes, he might deserve to rise in the ranks again, but... I just don't want to see everything completely boxed in as much as I love the MCU. I think you make a great point to be concerned about it. Absolutely. But I also think what Feige is is basically now from this point forward or when he takes this new mantle, he's he's just in the room. 
It doesn't mean that everything has to be approved and only Feige can do it. It's more like, Feige, here's the pitch. If he likes it, boom. It doesn't mean that he has to be intimately involved in it. So he's just in these comic book rooms now, and I guarantee you he's been in these rooms already before he took this mantle. I'm sure they unofficially had him in certain rooms to see what his input is, what his thoughts are. And I also don't think it doesn't mean we can't have offshoots, things like that. Mm-hmm. It just has to be Feige going, yeah, that sounds good. Do that. It doesn't necessarily have to connect up. It just means that Feige uh, greenlights it and it's good to go. So it has that extra level of trust that it'll work. If I had to make a prediction right now, mm. I think there will be a possibility for offshoot type things. Sure. And when I say offshoot, I don't mean a spinoff of, you know, something with another character. I mean, things right. that aren't connected to the MCU. It's like I'm thinking about the what if series that's coming right. out. Right. I just hope it isn't it isn't limited to that. And I think the way you described it might be a little too like loosey goosey for me. <laughs> like, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Right, but I, right. I think there's going to be some creative possibilities. It's just going to be probably less Mm -hmm. than the MCU overall and what he's doing. Doesn't this solve your issue, though? Because now all the TV shows will connect. Everything that comes out That's not will nec- connect Well, up. everything from now going forward. I, mean. I don't... Yeah, Disney Plus... Even though I know tons of people where, 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 are rooting for it. What do you think my issue it? was? Well, you were saying how the certain like certain TV shows that came to the Netflix Marvel stuff didn't connect up and they couldn't mention stuff that was happening in the no, movies. No, I, I like that. that. You I, did? I, I, oh, you I, I like the I like that it felt independent because wow. then like, if huge things were happening in the films or whatever, you didn't necessarily have to explain it in the show. The show could get away with its own rules, its own paradigm mm. where like that's that didn't frustrate you i like that i like that it was his okay. own thing and didn't need didn't depend on this thing over here and especially for people who are just coming in that are more casual they can just drop in and enjoy something that's and fair. not have to catch up on like 22 movies and whatnot or you know four other shows before watching you know daredevil or something yeah you know um i think i think those scenarios could happen going forward, but I don't think he's ever going to go back. Like, I think they're still going to take the mentality of, you know, things that were started under Feige are in play, but I I really don't think they're ever going to bring those uh, Marvel Netflix characters as we knew them back into the fold. If anything, we might get new iterations of those characters. And, you know, this does seem like a long shot, but I'm not going to completely close the door to this possibility. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will bring Charlie Cox in to play Daredevil again, but it's going to be a semi new interpretation of the character. If there's, if there's so many fans out there rooting for him to keep the role, there are already rumors that Kristen Ritter is going to come back possibly as Jessica Jones into this new universe. Cause as of the defenders, the defenders have to in, have to factor in as much as they want to go cosmic. Yeah. They've still got to have anchor it on earth. And the defenders are more of a ground based force. And so set in New York. So daredevil could be coming that way. Certainly Jessica Jones. So do you um, think that if they do that though, mm-hmm. it's going to be the events of what, happened in those seasons looping in or do you think it's going to be more of a and I don't necessarily mean a completely different mm-hmm. interpretation of those characters but I think they're going to do something to make it feel make it feel like a like distinct like a clean break in a sense yeah I think if we get anything that relates to those old Marvel TV shows on Netflix it'll be an occasional comment it won't be something that necessary which is a wink to the fans mm. but it won't be something that necessarily leans in to what happened in those shows so I would be very surprised if they did that overall but uh, you know but I like the I like this idea you're a huge fan of like the full integration of everything I, I like things to connect I'm kind of in that way which is which is a, is a positive and a negative for me sometimes but I like things to connect because that because I'm an old comic book reader and back yeah. when they used to have a series you'd go okay you've got to buy this episode of Alpha Flight so you can keep keep going with the main series and this episode so you it makes you buy other comics that you normally wouldn't have tried yeah. so that you could get into it so this is also maybe a mentality business wise as you mentioned Perry is this idea of like well I wouldn't normally 
normally watch this TV show, but apparently it's going to link up into this movie later yep. on, so I got to watch it. So it's a way of training you uh, to be a consumer. Yeah. So much. I know, I know, I, I know. I'm I like get that. caught in the middle. There's pros yeah. and cons to every single scenario. Yeah. I understand this approach, and I appreciate how well they've done it thus far. Yeah. But I, I go with what you said. I. I want there to be entry points, reasonable entry points for people. I actually think a lot of the MCU movies can stand on their own two feet, regardless of the the well-defined connections with the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I want to make sure there's more, you know, offshoots that don't that don't have that same vibe to it, if you know what I mean. Uh, How do you feel when, like, there's a worldwide disaster in a show or a movie mm -hmm. and all the Avengers don't show up and it's just like Spider-Man's working on this? You know, uh, like, that, you know what I'm saying? That happens in the comics. So that makes sense for that to happen in the comics because yeah. you could make that argument for every comic book line. Spider-Man's dealing with this. How come all the other New York uh, superheroes aren't showing up yeah. to help or the other New York villains aren't showing up to help the other villain that's doing this? It's just part of your, uh, my trained mentality of, of reading stuff okay. with comics well, is that you allow also, that. It's a suspension of disbelief. They also started to actually make an effort to explain they where have, people were, yeah. too. So yeah. I think they're they're probably doing that to tee up what we're discussing with the future of uh, Marveling MCU. But we also have to talk about some other Kevin Feige news that broke recently and how this new promotion might affect that. We know that Kevin Feige is developing a Star Wars movie. And, you know, again, this is just speculation for when that story broke. But a lot of the conversation was, is this just the tip of the iceberg? Is this Kevin Feige taking not just a role in Star Wars, but starting to position himself to maybe, you know, not necessarily completely take over that element of Disney, but step in in a larger capacity. So, one, what do you guys think that all these job requirements mean for his input on that Star Wars movie? And does this new promotion completely take off the table the possibility of maybe, I don't know, maybe Feige joining forces with Kathleen Kennedy and leading Star Wars together? I think he's a very, very smart guy. And if, if there's anyone for the job, it's him. I'd love to see what he does with it. I just get afraid of the smart guy getting spread too thin on yes. too many different things. That's my only concern. So. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you listen to Sony, he was so busy. He was so busy. Apparently, he wasn't so busy. Yeah. He can do a lot of things. That's kind of what Kevin Feige is built on. But, uh, Perry, you bring up two interesting points. One, I, I, my, my belief is this is the, you know, if you work in businesses long enough or companies long enough, you see people who get handed more and more responsibility as they move up the chain, more and more trust. This is them handing a little more responsibility to Kevin Feige. How does he deal with it? If he deals with it really well, there's going to be more responsibility down the road. And I think this is them lining him up to take over Iger's spot down the road. I do believe that. They're 20 years. We look, we're talking off camera. There's 20 years age difference between the two gentlemen. And certainly there's a possibility that Feige could move into that situation, especially because no one complains about Feige. And unfortunately, with Kathleen Kennedy, she's taken some slings and arrows, yeah. taking over the Star Wars thing, yeah. which is unfortunate for her. She's a fantastic producer. So no one's thinking, oh, Kathleen Kennedy could be maybe moving in. And maybe she doesn't have an interest in that situation. That's certainly possible, too. But it seems like Feige certainly has an interest in moving forward and forward and forward as he accepts more and more of this responsibility. So I like this idea. I think Star Wars, giving him that Star Wars movie is more like, we love you. Here, have fun with this. Here's a new toy. Play with it. See what you can do. <laughs> and enjoy yourself. And like, enjoy yourself. Expand yourself creatively. Have a good time time but i don't i think there would be such a undercutting of the knees to kathleen to slide kevin in at this point especially after the contract extension and what have you i think it's a dangerous road to walk for them let kathleen have star wars certainly the mandalorian has excited a lot of people people looking forward to star wars episode nine people want to see what these disney plus series are going to be these animated series coming out so if all of that starts to turn the corner for star wars fans and they move past the old stuff kathleen's going to be fine so kevin moving where he's going i think it just makes sense he's also got his finger on the pulse of what works much better i yeah. think than kathleen kennedy so i'm very excited to see what he 
does in general. I would love to see him take over every gosh darn thing. So. Me personally. Just not have it all integrated. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. <laughs> what you brought up earlier is my only concern. And it's, you know, as, as great as he is, there's there's a breaking point. There is a point where a it is too point, much though. for one individual person. And, you know, I think we talk about this with, with Star Wars, and I think the conversation is going to start to happen with Marvel now, too. As much as I believe in him and his reputation, there is a point where someone needs to, you know, start to assemble a team around him or maybe some go-to yeah. people right underneath him. It's yeah. like, I've said this before, I think one of the best things Kathleen Kennedy could do is, you know, pick out a Dave Filoni or something yeah. or someone like him and make him her number two. Someone who can, you know, focus on the nitty gritty because this is a big picture role, yeah. which is why we have to bring up the Star Wars thing because the way I interpreted that news when it broke is that he's got a story he's super passionate about and he wants to be hands-on with something like that i am not saying that this definitely closes the door for him being super hands-on with that particular project but there is only so much one man can do we're talking about tv film live action animation comics a star wars movie what they're dealing with over at sony there's so much on his plate i wouldn't mind if in the coming years he starts to maybe name people, not necessarily his successor, but but his right hands, the team around him, where if he is occupied with something, they can step in, handle it, and we can have just as much faith in them. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think what you're saying is actually uh, key there because he's the five people next to him. He's the people he surrounds himself with, helping him to make these decisions because mm -hmm. he's taking credit for like making all these you know smart decisions. But I'm sure he's having conversations with the people, mm -hmm. getting informed, trying to figure out what's the, the smartest move forward. And so I'm pretty sure he'll just hire more people that he trusts to help him make the most informed decisions possible. And it's not to say that these people don't exist. For for mm -hmm. all we know, like he's the face of Marvel. For exactly. all we know. No, he already has some very yeah. good people around him and likely does. It's just, you know, like we're sitting here on movie talk. Movie news is a big deal out there. I wouldn't mind meeting some of these people if they already exist, especially because like D Disney is just like a freaking colossal monster right now. They've got they're pivoting right now in some interesting ways. And I think they need to do that with their leadership as well. I think you make a great point, Perry. Absolutely. Because if I if, if what I'm saying true, it comes true. He becomes an Iger. Iger's job was finding a Feige, finding a Kathleen Kennedy. So now Feige's got to do the same thing, ironically, down the road is find his version of himself uh, or version of Kathleen Kennedy, somebody who can take over these mantles and keep them going. And that doesn't always work out. You know, we've seen this before. Someone creating something and then handing it over to some successor and the successor absolutely fumbles the ball uh, when they take over. So those are those concerns. And you bring up another interesting point, too. And we should look at the possible negative of this is, is he going to be stretched to the breaking point? Are direct Director's going to be. I I can't get in touch with Feige. He's off doing this comic books thing. Okay, is he? Is that going to affect relationships? I wonder. That's something he's got to be concerned about as well. Just focusing on the movie stuff is easy. Now that you're expanding it, more and more creatives, more and more people involved in productions are going to want your ear and your time. Are you going to be able to be, yeah. give all of them the proper amount of attention to get everything where you need it to be? I don't know. I think the difference between him and others like Kathleen Kennedy is he's not just coming from a business standpoint. He's like a, a true through and yeah. through comic book fan. Yes. And I think he'll be able to identify people to hire much more effectively than like Kathleen Kennedy or whoever else mm -hmm. because he's coming at it from a creative standpoint as well, not just business, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, I got, uh, yeah. I got high hopes for this move. And uh, congrats to 
Feige. A well-deserved promotion right there. Uh, Story number two today is that new bombshell trailer. So I actually was lucky enough to see the movie last night. There are some first reactions out there. We're not allowed to review it just yet. But before I even share some of these thoughts about the actual final cut of the film, what did you guys think of the trailer? Did this do anything to add to what they started with that first teaser trailer? I saw the trailer yesterday for the first time. I was floored by it. I mean, I I love Charlize Theron, though. And I think that... This is a great story to tell. I think that well, one of my questions was, is this appealing only to the left? And I think that it appeals across the board because we're curious about when people we love, heroes of ours, like go down. We want to know how all that transpired. What, what went on? What's the behind the scenes of that? And so I feel like even for the right, people, you know, um, who are more conservative would want to watch this movie just to see what it, what's going on, like, you know, the true story. Without getting into a review, I will say that I think with all three of these women that you see on the screen behind Roker right now, I think they dig into the complexities of what they're going through in a way okay. that mm, creates an entry point or, or things that many people can understand while also being encouraged to view the opposite side of a situation. Yeah. Okay, so this is an interesting trailer. Uh, oh god because <laughs> the acting incredible yeah. i love all three of these ladies as actresses yeah. uh, absolutely um i was a bit thrown off at the beginning with kate mckinnon that like are we making a parody or a comedy or something okay because it feels weird uh a bit and when kate does stuff she's always going to be kate which makes her incredible and also at times takes you out of movies uh like in yesterday whenever her scenes were in yesterday i was like right, why, why is this it seems weird or in ghostbusters i felt like she was acting in a completely different movie even though i loved everything she was doing uh so that threw me off a little bit but when the trailer finally got into what it's going to talk about i really enjoyed it and liked it and gotta give a shout out to jay roach you know as much as we're talking about these uh, uh horror directors who are sliding into these blockbuster films we gotta start talking about these comedy directors now that are sliding in and doing some incredible work with more dramatic fare as we saw whatever my feelings about green book fairly won an oscar for that thing you can't argue that mckay's do, the big short same thing the big short writer wrote this as well so jay roach who did the austin powers movie is in here doing this dramatic charles, charles randolph Ch- yeah charles you know, randolph is the writer know. that being said here's this is a terrible situation for these women obviously sexual harassment horrible thing what they experienced roger ailes lithgow looks incredible kind of channeling a little bit of churchill in that way that he did in the crown my thing is I hope the film's even-handed in showing some of the despicable things these people said on air as well. They have to balance out to show me the complete picture. Megyn Kelly said some pretty despicable things, some racist things, Gretchen Carlson as well, when she was on those shows. So as long as they're addressing that in the equation, then I'm okay with seeing this movie and seeing a more rounded picture about what happened here. All That's right. my you know, concern. I have a small comment on one thing yes, you said, yeah. which is the humorous element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like the integration of humor into this because okay. it, it could be a, a boring, dry subject otherwise for some people. For me, like it gets me even more hooked seeing that it's having that comedic element mm-hmm. that is within the realm of like what's actually happened. Right. Like the reaction people have to things can be funny. And it, that's just part of life. Yeah, I, and I think it's just me, Jeff, because like even JoJo, the first 10 minutes of JoJo, I was like, oh, and then it sunk in and I was, and I loved it all the way through. So this could just be me as, as a, uh, a viewer. All right. I've got a couple of first reactions to the full movie for okay. you guys. And yeah. I want to know your thoughts after we run through them. Most of them are uh, fairly positive, my own tweet included. But we're going to kick it off with uh, our resident contrarian. It's Jeff Snyder. <laughs> uh, Jeff wrote... Wanted to sleep on it before tweeting, and I know I'll be in the minority here, but Bombshell was a well-acted, well-intentioned mess, like a bubblegum version of The Loudest Voice, which was far superior, much like Vice. The tone is all over the place. 
We'll say more when allowed. Continuing on here. Oh, hey, it's me. <laughs> Mighty rattled by bombshell right now. A sharp, searing, and electrifying piece that just made an indelible impression on me and is bound to make a whole lot of noise through award season. Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie bring on the nominations. Continuing on with uh, Katie Walsh here. Bombshell is fascinating. A spiky, rollicking, and relentless legal thriller. I love how morally complex the filmmakers and actors allow the characters to be. They're not the heroines you expect. They're just trying to do right. Charlize is unreal. And Kazoo Hero's makeup is insane. Moving on over to Scott Menzel, who was just on Movie Talk. A bombshell is the most important film of the year. A quintessential must-see for the Me Too era. Charlize Theron is unrecognizable as Megyn Kelly and delivers her boldest performance to date. Margot Robbie is absolutely remarkable and is sure to be nominated. We can't wrap this up without a tweet from Scott Mance. He writes, Bombshell. Riveting, engrossing, essential, and empowering procedural about the fall of Fox News topper Roger Ailes. Starts strong and gets more potent as it progresses. Superb performances from Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie. Bombshell is a terrific movie. I just want to comment on the first one. I mean, obviously not having seen the film, I can only say so much. But I think with this, any real story, any biopic, you have to be more forgiving. And I fully expect it to be somewhat of a mess because you're basing it on real stuff. Mm. And so you can't have like the perfect narrative structure like you would with a film that's completely original like, mm. you know. That is one of the challenges about, you know, touchy topics like this too, especially when some of the movie comes from certain individuals' perspectives. Yeah. It's like that that kind of colors the tone a little bit. So it's a, it's just an interesting uh, line to walk when you're making a movie like this. Do you, th- do you feel it's a fair movie, both sides? <laughs> I'm. I'm not. I'm not. No, no. I don't mean. Yeah. yeah. I don't mean between the harass and harassee. I, I was mean more. I was more so debating right. how far to push my comments right now yeah, because yeah, yeah. Th- there's a review embargo. So okay. I, but up no until worse. this point, I've only reiterated what has been in these tweets, and I can tell you whether or not I agree with certain tweets. Sure. And I think that's where I'm going to draw the line it's fair right enough. now. Fair if enough. I had to guess, there is some bias, obviously, because it's coming mm. from their perspective. And they're they're no, the main character. I mean, left yeah. right bias. I mean, left right balance is what I'm talking about because I don't like films that are too right or to left oh gotcha yeah yeah like the too. contender i didn't like, like films that are so skewed one side of the political spectrum over another i just do not enjoy like i a truly more balanced don't things. think i can answer that without getting into a more substantial Fair review enough. like comment so i will respectfully pass on answering <laughs> that one is it a priority for you guys? Are you going to see when it comes oh, yeah. out? It looks great. Very All right. Much, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're definitely going to be covering this one on collider fyc because hey i'm going to reiterate my tweet <laughs> All three of them are you deserve to talk nominations. About, are you allowed to talk about John Lithgow's performance at all? I I think he's phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. This this one I think is going to I, I think it's gonna wind up in quite a few categories this year. I know there's a lot of uh a lot of hype for Charlize right now and it's well, well, well earned, mm-hmm. but there are so many different departments here that I think deliver exceptional work. Yeah. All right, before we move into our last topic, which is a horror topic, which makes me happy, <laughs> we've got some content coming your way on the Collider Video YouTube channel, like Rumor Mill. Check out this promo. What's up, Collider Video fans? Josh McCuga here. I'm the host of a brand new show on Collider called The Rumor Mill. Now, we're live every single Wednesday at 2 p.m., but we're live on the Collider Video Twitter. So you have to subscribe there if you want to interact live with us, if you want to throw in some rumors. Rumors of your own that we want to incorporate in the show, you have to tune in live. Now, you can watch the show on YouTube later, but again, if you want to watch live with me and three panelists getting rowdy, giving points to each other, and just yelling rumors, you need to tune in live on the Collider Video Twitter, 2 p.m., every single Wednesday. 
What's up, Collider fans? Ryan Satin here from ProWrestlingSheet.com, where you can find the top stories throughout the week in the world of professional wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan like myself, then you'd be doing yourself a disservice by not checking out all the shows we do every week on YouTube.com slash C slash Wrestling Sheet. In particular, on Wednesdays, we've got a SmackDown recap show hosted by John Roca and myself, where we pick apart and, and talk about every little thing that happened on the Blue Brand. So do yourself a favor and go subscribe at youtube.com slash C slash wrestling sheet. All right. Who's ready to talk Dr. Sleep? I'm always <laughs> ready to talk Dr. Sleep. Uh, so you guys hear this movie clocks in at 152 minutes. Given the lengthy movies we've seen thus far this year, does this concern you at all or does it not matter? And you're going to go see this movie no matter what. Uh, for me, I've largely moved away from like horror and whatnot. I know you're like deeply entrenched in it. Oh, boy, but the reason Jenny. why is because the reason what have you said? Breaking my heart. You don't, you don't I mean, utter those words in I, Halloween. This is month. just a preface. <laughs> Lord Almighty. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is um, I like the, the, the stuff that's more creepy and psychological more yeah. than the stuff that's gratuitous and just like, you know, in your face with the blood and guts and stuff like that. And I feel like the runtime indicates that it's going to harken back to The Shining's style where it's like slow burn, more like creepy feel psychological as opposed to just in your face and gratuitous I think if that and this is I obviously have not seen this movie but I have read the book I think if that is your preference in terms of horror movies this could be right up your alley because I look at a runtime like this and I think you know I've been reading slash listening to a lot of Stephen King books and one of the constants in all of his work is how he he world builds to like such an extent where you feel like you know every single corner of let's say a specific town or you know the full history of a character and we're about to take Danny Torrance from a young child at the overlook mm-hmm. to an adult who still has these abilities not only do you have to make a story move forward to deal with the issue at hand but you also have to solidify all that history because mm-hmm. what happened in The Shining completely shapes who he is as, as an adult so the fact that this is going to be a very long movie suggests, at least to me, that they're going to be able to have that reflected in his current behavior. Yeah, runtimes never scare me as long as movies earn them, right? I, I, like you said, you watched Three and a Half Hours of the Irishman, it went like that. If a movie earns its runtime, I don't care. And when I hear runtimes, I never get like, oh, no. It's more a matter of, okay, here's the challenge. If you're going to go this far and the studio's going to let you go this far, I want to see what you can do with this extra rope. Did I like an It Chapter 2 as much as I was hoping to? No, but it still was a, a good, an enjoyable time in theater for me. This excites me and this makes a lot of sense that it's longer than The Shining because A, the story is more expansive. You're going, there's more characters involved mm-hmm. here. There's a larger story at play here. If this character is immortal, then you've got a, lo- a bigger story to tell. So naturally, you need more time with it. Plus, if you're going to go back and forth in time and his memories and what have you that automatically makes the film a little larger a little bigger needs more time you can also have more confidence that it's not going to be rushed yes like a rushed story and it's also not just uh danny's story either it's it's abra the young girl in the mm, store right, in right. in the movie it's also uh, rebecca ferguson's character mm-hmm. rose the hat and what she's involved in that's got a rich history too yeah. so I, like i don't think there was any other way to go but 
admittedly, if I'm being completely honest here, whenever I do see a runtime like this, yeah, I get nervous. Oh. If it's a super long runtime or a super mm. short runtime, I'm like, oh, maybe that's a little more of a challenge. I hope the movie justifies it. But when I do see a very long runtime, like admittedly, going into The Irishman, yeah, I was freaked out because I don't like to get up in the middle of a movie for anything. Mm. I will sit there and suffer desperately needing to use the restroom before I will get up and go in the middle of a movie. Yeah, You can say that now as a young person, Perry. Just wait till you're in your 40s. I guarantee you that will change. The only thing that's throwing me is It Chapter 2. Like, I did not enjoy the length of that movie at all. I did not need to be three hours. It just didn't. Like, why? Yeah. Why? Why did you? And so, as long as it's not that, I'll be happy. But I think that was more about what he put in the content of that particular cut. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's not... The runtime wasn't the issue. He, the wanted, issue it, he was, wanted it longer. Well, sure. Yeah. And you know what? We've seen many times before over the last 20 years that longer director cuts have actually made the film better. A lot of people say BVS, the director's cut, is better with the extra 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. That happened. Uh, I certainly say Watchmen, which is longer, was is a better cut than the cut they released. I haven't, so, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, the director's yeah. cut is great. So you, that is like, well worth watching. Okay. Yeah. And so there's things that sometimes a director has a vision, and when you cut a majority of his vision or her vision out, then you lose the overall point of what they were trying to make, and it looks like a mess. I guarantee you, well, not a guarantee, but I hope that it chapter two gets released uh, in some original cut that he wanted to. And I bear, and I wonder if people will go see and go, oh, now this is fantastic. I yeah. wonder. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Could, I they, want this movie to pulled, be they, so good, they, so yeah, badly. Yeah. They could have pulled a Marvel and re-released it chapter two with like five more minutes of footage. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, no. We don't, we don't need any more of that nonsense. Everyone's allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just forget that ever happened. All right. Live chat questions. All right. You ready for this, Javi? Do you have a long list? This is going to be the I have only... Three, I have three here's, names I came up with. Here's okay? the question from Alex Dom, who asked, are, today oh. is National Boss Day. What movie boss would you like to have to work a collider? So what do you got there? They're, they're all silly. Uh, the first one I chose is M from James Bond. Okay. Uh, Judy Dench's version. Oh, nice. I would be happy with that. Uh, nice. Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show. If you, have you guys seen Mary Tyler Moore? Yes. yes. Okay, cool. And then this is the really weird weird one is uh, Captain Ed Murphy from Lethal Weapon, uh, Riggs and Murtaugh's boss. Oh. Yeah, he's just got a lot of personality and right. spunk. Yeah, so. okay. I'll let you guys guess who I picked, for uh, better or worse. Sam Jackson. Is it a movie boss or a TV boss? I mean, Sam Jackson, just as Sam Jackson in general, not a character, I would totally have him be a boss Nick here. Fury is who I meant. But oh, okay. Yeah. I'll say, no, Nick Fury's fine. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'd prefer just Sam Jackson, okay. Sam Jackson. Gotcha. Just, I mean, there's Man. not many avenues to pursue with me. Yeah. Is it all horror? It's John Hammond, guys. <sighs> You'd want that guy to be <laughs> yes, your boss? Yes, I would. Because he took a big swing. He had a vision that he really believed in. People and died because of his big swing. Did, did the shirt, did the shirt inspire you? I'm not telling him to create you? dinosaurs in movie Is this talk. inspired you? This- <laughs> a little bit, yeah. The shirt, but you're, you're talking about someone who started with a flea circus and brought back dinosaurs. Sure, sure. And he's in the movie. He's not as terrible as he is in the book. So. Yeah, but he didn't stop to think if he should. He just He did. called in the experts. The experts just came in too late. <laughs> he's a murderer. And, and oh, my he- God. I didn't say that. He was supposed to die in book one. Did you know that? He wasn't supposed to be in the sequel. Wow. Yeah. Well, well the, the book rendition of John Hammond is completely different than what we got in the feature <laughs> film. That's one of the many things about book to film that are quite different. No. Uh, yeah. uh, I give a shout out to Ranker here for this one. Leslie Nope, absolutely. I'd love to work for Leslie Nope. I know she's a TV boss. I wonder if Tony Stark would be interesting 
after he's made the conversion. Or Pepper Potts. I wouldn't mind working for Pepper Potts. She seems to be on board. Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman's Jim Gordon. I'd love to work for him. Uh, uh, Josiah Jed Bartlett, President Bartlett from West Wing. I'd love to work under him. That's for sure. Uh, somebody said Leo, Leah, Princess Leia, Leia Organa, Princess Leia Organa. Yeah. I, was, uh, yeah. I really like that idea. Yeah, I kind of, I'd be all right with working under her. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we've got a good list here. All right. I still think I won. Here's a question from David Wilson. It's spooky season. We haven't had a good Dracula or Frankenstein film in ages. Mm. A simple question. Who would you cast and who would you have direct? Jesus. For Dracula? Yeah. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> okay. With his English accent. Oh, my God. I feel bad for Luke Evans. Yeah, because that Luke, wasn't I, a bad film. No. Necessarily. I also think that... I think that might have been the result of too many cooks in the kitchen type mm-hmm. thing. I think that mm-hmm. movie had way more potential than what we wound up with. And I also think Luke Evans gave it his all. You know what would be interesting? What? It would bring all the ladies to the theater. Timothy Chalamet as a young Dracula. I will not say no to that. <laughs> see, you see her just almost ever. She started you, convincing. Look you could pretty much uh, <laughs> cast Timothy Chalamet in just about anything now, and I'm kind of sold. There's rumors about him being Robin. Would that excite you in the Batman if he was Robin? I don't think that's true, but yeah, I I would definitely be open to that casting. I would like Tom Hardy as Frankenstein. I think Tom Hardy's Frankenstein monster would be very interesting. We saw De Niro try to do it in that Brana horrific version, but I think Tom uh, Tom Hardy would bring vulnerability and soul to the monster Mm -hmm. that we have yet to capture from the original Mary Shelley book. I have yet to see anyone do that Frankenstein monster. Do you think that they're going to cast. cast a Dracula in that Demeter movie, the one that Andre Overdahl is doing? Good question. Because I just, the way that I read it, it was almost like, I mean, this also might be my brain going to Lost World territory. When you know when the the boat gets to... uh, gets to shore right, right. all you see is the carnage and the result like for a minute when i was picturing that movie and dracula picking off all the crewmen one by one it's yeah. like i was picturing him as you know like a shadow zooming by in the night and it only just crossed my mind right now that that could role be. will probably need to be cast yeah i could see that i could see that i like gary oldman's dracula though i'll give props to that i like gary oldman yeah cool. in uh yeah yeah i do like gary oldman. he's my favorite i haven't revisited dracula, that in forever actually he's good in that. okay all right, let's take... I, I was going to ask you about uh, the guy who played Elton John, uh, Taron oh, Egerton. Egerton. Yeah, well, yeah. Taron Egerton's another one where it's like, cast him in anything, mm. and I'll have faith. Yeah. All right. That's How a, about a dinosaur question? <laughs> Are we okay question? with this? <laughs> he, Prince That Wasn't Promised, says, <laughs> if you could place Jurassic Park dinosaurs in any other movie, what would it be, and in what way? <laughs> God. I hope you guys got like the creative juices flowing. Yeah. I, feel, uh, I feel like instantly Star the first. Wars. I, feel like, I was going to say Star Dinosaurs Wars or, or a Marvel or a Marvel thing, like easily. <laughs> like that's the first place my brain goes. What if it was like a, a Marvel movie that takes place back in dinosaur days, and it's like a caveman version of a superhero? Uh, I'll have to pitch that to Kevin Feige. Everything goes through him now. Okay. So if he proves <laughs> it, no, I would love to see the Jurassic Park dinosaurs versus Godzilla and King Kong. That would be a fun ass movie, in my opinion. Did you guys ever play Metal Gear Solid? Either of you? Mm-mm. Damn, I'm sure people watching have, have know me. what Metal Gear Solid is. But I'm like, sure they do. I mean, well, I know what it is. I just haven't played. Well, it. dinosaurs in the Metal Gear Solid universe would be profoundly interesting to me. With mm. Solid Snake trying to sneak around and take these things out, that would be fun. <laughs> what about Wreck It Ralph with dinosaurs? With the Jurassic Park dinosaurs? That's too easy. Yeah, that's right. too easy. Right. Like, that's, Sorry, Jab. Yeah. Because, I mean, you have all these integrations of IPs and video games and stuff like that. That's oh. like, of course you're going to have dinosaurs at some point. <laughs> like, naturally. 
That's like that's dinosaurs like, versus predators. That's like saying, "How about dinosaurs in Ready Player One?" It's like, of course. You, I mean, there yeah. was well, one. Were, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Good point. All right, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because it's not the typical horror panel right now. The big enchilada wants to know what are some horror movie suggestions that are not obvious: Exorcist, Freddy, Scream, Halloween, etc. So, is there any kind of like under the radar horror movie that you've watched recently or ever, and you want people to know about it? Gone Girl. <laughs> that is a horror movie. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. That is a horror no. movie. Angie Han wrote something really cool about it that uh, Hailey Fouch tweeted about it read last night. That is, I've always said from the moment I walked out of that theater, that was a horror movie. Um, I would throw in Session 9. If people have never seen <laughs> Session 9, that movie is incredible. Incredible as a horror movie. Uh, obviously, I'm not big on horror films, but the one that I love is Train to Busan. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Train to Busan? No, never. I don't know anything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like one of the greatest movies that was no, released. I, oh my I, God. I almost lost my <laughs> mind. It is one of the greatest it's, zombie movies yeah. made yeah, in favorite, recent years. It's my favorite it's zombie movie of all time. Like, <laughs> I, that I, I know. I was like, I there's I was no way there's a hole in Harry's resume. I was like, <laughs> she, had the, she convincingly had that blank look Usually on her face. Usually I'm like the worst liar good. in the world. Yeah. I don't good. know what came over me. No, but like, I watched that and instantly knew that's my favorite zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you haven't played The Last of Us, you need to play The Last of Us. I do need I've had this discussion many times before. I think I, I was actually talking to David Griffin most recently, mm. and it, 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 there's some urgency to get me to go play that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to think about Shudder right now. I'm going to just mm. say it's not a movie, but I would say if you haven't watched any Channel Zero, I think that is a horror anthology show that could appeal to everybody because mm-hmm. they're very well-developed, interesting scenarios. It's not just about carnage, if that's not your thing. I would recommend that one. I'm also going to say, okay, this well, is... What, in- what is Shudder about? Are you... Like, well, Shutter is a streaming service, and it basically has a whole bunch of genre content, oh, and gotcha. that doesn't necessarily mean like just slasher movies or anything like that. Yeah. It, it has it has uh, it has some space in every single subgenre of the horror genre, and there's yeah. great content on there. And I believe at this point in time, they're streaming all four seasons of a show called Channel Zero, which were it was an anthology series with each individual season being inspired by a creepy pasta story. Which is, you know, it's like Slenderman, a story mm. that originated and evolves over time on the internet. Um, the other thing I'm going to recommend, and, you know, this is a little bit of a, a horror comedy classic, but it is streaming on YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> it's so much fun. That's true. It's because I went in the maze at Halloween Horror Nights that I, oh, that I said, like, I got to rewatch week? this movie right now. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a great time. Have what you seen the host? I have seen the host. The host is quite good, Bong too. Gino. That's a good yes. example. Uh, he's, the he's Descent a, is good too. The, the descent. descent is one of that's up there is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, the original British cut too. The original British cut, if you can find it. That's yeah. all right. The director of the host actually has a new film uh, coming out or is out that is worth looking at. Yeah, what is it called? I forgot what it's called. Never it's called heard Parasite. Of it. It's called Parasite. How do you it's feel Parasite? about Peaches? Yeah. Did you guys yeah. talk about it? Is that why? Oh no, I interviewed two of the stars from it. Yeah, uh, you, two days ago. You need to yeah. make that a top priority. It is fantastic. Like, is it already it, out? Yes, yes. It's, okay. it's playing in uh, select theaters, yeah. and if you have the opportunity, I would really walk right out of this door, and I would. Go, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. I would yeah. go straight to see. No, it I saw the trailer. Got really excited it's about great. it. It's great. Twice. It's great. Go see this. Okay. Thing. I need so to see good. it. I'm mad that you've seen it twice, and I haven't. I'm well, dying to see I it had, again. You All right. See it. Lots of recommendations to leave you with. Don't worry, Dorian. We'll get to bread questions soon. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Perry. Adam, Dorian, thank you so much for your hard work. To everybody out there, thank you for watching the show. And apparently, guess I, I'm like freaking out reading this. 
Is Jamie Kennedy on Collider Live today? He is. Jamie Kennedy's on Collider Live talking about his new film, Trick, a new horror I'm film, Trick. I'm going to go be a creep and peek in that window. <laughs> um, so go head over to Collider Live. They kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific, and we're back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. PT for a brand new episode. See you soon. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.